Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing, more than a feeling. To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save Your life To be powered by love Hi everybody, I'm Pastor Nathan Mugas Pastor at Elk River Lutheran Church I'm Lisa Sampson, Director of Children, Youth, and Family Ministry. And I'm Taylor Quinn, the Director of Music and Worship. Well, welcome back to another episode, edition of our Powered by Love podcast, Elk River Lutheran Church, Powered by Love, as well as our Sacred Wit video project. Uh, we are glad that you are here as we're continuing in this David series. Our series right now that we're talking about in these episodes is David, Almost Perfect, but not quite. And so uh, we continue by thinking today uh, about David a little differently. We're going to hear a story that has to do with one of these big attributes of David, which is David the musician, the psalm writer. And so our theme for today is uh, the original piano man. Yeah. And so we'll be hearing a little bit about uh, David's musical and poetic contributions to the world and to the Bible. And if you'd like to grab your Bible and follow along, that would be great. We use the new Revised Standard Version, NRSV, but any version you have is just fine. Yes, and so uh, our theme for tonight is uh, the original Piano Man, and it is playing off the Billy Joel song, Piano Man. So if you had that thought, like we're ripping off Billy Joel... <laughs> You'd be right, we are. Uh, and so uh, we're going to think a little bit about that story. We're going to hear the story about David from uh, the book of 1 Samuel in the Bible a little later on. But first, the piano man. So let's let our own piano man, Taylor, tell us a little bit about the piano. Oh my gosh, so much pressure. So let's talk about the song, The Piano Man. I'm sure most of you are familiar with it. Well, in it, Billy Joel writes about characters that he has actually encountered, he had actually encountered when he was a lounge singer back in the day. And so, um, so each, each came in with their own stories and problems. And so um, Nathan and I are going to perform a little bit of it for you. And I want you just to listen to, uh, listen to the atmosphere that is created by the music and also the characters that are introduced.
waitress is practicing politics as businessmen slowly get stoned. Yes, they're sharing a drink they call loneliness, but it's better than drinking. Good job, Good job. Piano man. Good job, Nathan. <laughs> Nicely done. Excellent job, Lisa. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right? So that was Piano Man. If you notice, there's some characters introduced. And so uh, we pulled a little excerpt from Wikipedia, and here's what it says. The verses of the song are sung from the point of view of a bar piano player who focuses mainly on the regular crowd, the regulars that shuffle into the barn at nine o'clock, uh, into the bar at nine o'clock on Saturday. An old man, John the bartender, the waitress, businessmen, and bar regulars like uh, the real estate novelist Paul and neighbor Sailor, <laughs> Navy Sailor Davy. Most of these characters have broken or unfilled dreams, and the pianist's job is to help them forget about life for a while, as the lyrics state. The chorus in barroom sing-along style comes from the bar patrons themselves who sing, sing us a song, you're a piano man, sing us a song tonight. Well, we're all in the mood for a melody and you've got us feeling all right. No. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, it really is striking. If, if you pull up the lyrics of this song, or if you just know the song, all the better. Uh, but if you pull them up and, and think about this story that we're going to read here in a little bit, I think you'll be kind of impressed and amazed at how they line up. Uh, because the story we're reading tonight is from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. It's verses 14 through 13. 23s. And just to set the stage a little bit, uh, if you were with us or listened to the last episode where we talked about David being anointed to be the next king, so he's been chosen to be the next king, the hand of God is upon him, but he's not king yet. Uh, Saul is still king, and so uh, David is just going around living his best David life, being a tender of sheep and uh, living at home with his parents, with his dad Jesse and his mom, whose name I don't know. I don't know if I don't know. I don't know what his mom's name is. It's probably question. in the Bible, it's but uh, I should look it up. He mom. calls her mom, <laughs> uh, and so that's good. Uh, but so what's going on in the in the kingdom, the the world though, is that Saul's uh, kingship, as as David is anointed and as David is rising up, Saul is kind of in decline. Uh, things are going poorly for him, and so he's having a really tough go of it, and. 
the way that he finds to pull him out of what is essentially a depression, like uh, it talks about it as a as kind of an evil spirit or this, um, but essentially he's just feeling really down and what pulls him up is some really good music. Uh, he brings in David to share music and we're gonna uh, share this story here, um, but it, you know, Think about this in the in the light of that song, Piano Man, and I think you'll see some some real parallels here. So, uh, yeah, that's our our story for tonight is coming at you right now. <clears throat> and now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for ERLC Readers Theater. We will be reading from First Samuel sixteen, verses fourteen through twenty three. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servants said to him, See now, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command the servants who attend you to look for someone who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the evil spirit from God is upon you, he will play it, and you will feel much better. So Saul said to his servants, Oh, provide for me someone who could play well and bring him to me. One of these young men answered, ooh, ooh, ooh. I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, which is a guy from Bethlehem, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a warrior, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is keeping the sheep. Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a kid, and sent them by his son David to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Jesse, my man, let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, David took his lyre and played it with his hand, and Saul would be relieved and feel better, and the evil spirit would depart from him. Here ends ERLC Reader's Theater. This is where we would all take our bow and the crowd goes wild, right? <laughs> well, I really do think it is just wild, uh, the, the similarities between this Billy Joel song and uh, this story from the Bible. I mean, those lines, sing us a song, you're the piano man, sing us a song tonight. We're all in the mood for a melody and you've got us feeling all right. Uh, Saul, in the midst of feeling really not all right, going through just... Uh, you know, this really tough time, this evil kind of spirit resting upon him is how the Bible talks about it. It's this musician who happens to have been anointed by God, who has the hand of God upon him, David. This musician brings him up out of his funk, uh, makes him feel all right. And so I'm just kind of curious as we start and we think about this story, and then we're going to go into some of David's music, the Psalms. Uh, have you had that experience of music bringing you up out of funks? Or, you know, what role has music played in your life as far as how it affects your mood, good or otherwise? Well, if I want to get some housework done, yeah, I don't play something calm. I play something really mm -hmm. upbeat and peppy to get me moving. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's that's funny you said that because I, I've discovered that I I will choose music that reflects my mood. You know, the mood that I want to be in. Like just recently, actually, in the car, um, 
I didn't typically I'll listen to the news because news kind of like it kind of keeps me informed and sometimes it has a good story to it. But lately I haven't been feeling that and I've been wanting to find music that reflects a mood that I that doesn't like get me down, you know, just kind of is is encouraging. So um, another thing is um, music helped me when my parents got their divorce when I was younger. I uh, in the midst of the our home being kind of unrestful, I I turned to the piano, having a, a piece of sheet music in front of me, just simply playing and figuring out was therapy for me. Sure. And that's I mean that is I think that's probably the first experience of me of music helping me. Yeah, when I just think of all the times, even just that you and I have shared of your music helping other people, of all mm-hmm. the funerals we've done as big examples of that, or even on a regular Sunday morning when we don't know what's going on with all the people who, who would fill the sanctuary or who now turn on, tune in online, um, music can speak in ways that even maybe you as a musician aren't aware of and mm-hmm. never will be in Mm-mm. some t- cases. You know, I think that's really amazing. That's been, that actually has been one of my recent um, kind of questions for myself is what is my role? I mean, why, why is it important to have a director of music, but why is it important to have music? Yeah. And one thing that for me I've discovered is it's important for my body to have that chance for physical expression. Mm-hmm. I know that for me, if, if I'm feeling tense or if, or if I... I'm feeling just kind of clogged up emotionally. Simply going to a song, playing on a piano, or singing it, or even listening to it, helps that energy be transferred from the inward to the outward. Hmm. And I know that that that's what happens in the seats. Yeah. It gives people a chance to express what they normally don't get to express on a regular basis. Hmm. Absolutely, I really yeah. like that. Yeah, music is such a powerful expression. I mean, I think that's the perfect yeah. way of saying it. And. What we're going to talk about here today, in large part, is the Psalms. Uh, rather than diving in deeper into First Samuel and the context of this story, it's to go kind of a, a little different route into this other big part of David's life, which was music, uh, and in particular, the Psalms. Uh, David is this big writer of the Book of Psalms. So the Book of Psalms is that book in the Bible. I was always taught if you open the Bible up to the middle, you'll probably be pretty close to Psalms, and, and that's usually pretty accurate. And so uh, there are 150 of these psalms uh, that are in the Bible, and they're all written poetically. They're designed to be sung. They are musical expressions of emotion, poetic expressions of what's going on in someone's life and and faith, really. And so uh, really great and, you know, fruitful for an individual devotional kind of, you know, life but also for communal life and mm-hmm. life together. And so uh, it's, I'm excited to dig into these a little bit here. And part of why, again, why we're talking about this in a David series is because David wrote about half of the Psalms. We think about 75 of those 150 are written by David, and they really do communicate just very real human emotion, uh, a lot of it. <laughs> that reminds me of author Anne Lamott. Um, she wrote that Um, She has basically two types of prayers that she prays, and one is, help me, help me, help me, and the other is, thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) And in one of her recent books, she wrote that um, she's added a third prayer, which is, wow. And I think we can resonate with that because all of us probably pray exactly like that. And um, the psalmist also does, if you think about it, every psalm 
is categorized in help me, thank you, and wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are absolutely the main elements yeah. of these psalms. And uh, fortunately for us, since it's a whole book of the Bible, they did write more than just those few words. <laughs> but those are the, exp- the, the emotions expressed in it in, in big ways. And so uh, as we enter the book of Psalms, kind of like we, we do in this series, we want to encourage you, if you have a Bible handy, that's great. Crack it open. Uh, look at some of these texts that we'll be referencing here tonight. Um, but also, I wanted to share a few random notes about, about the Bible and in particular Psalms. Uh, I mentioned already that David wrote a majority of the Psalms, or not a majority, but half uh, of the Psalms. And uh, so the way we know that is you'll, you'll notice, like, uh, like I have mine open to a couple Psalms here. Um, Psalm 89 says God's covenant with David. And at the top then there, there are notes. Uh, all of these Psalms uh, at the top of them have notes that we have taken, well, that we, uh, biblical scholars, not mm-hmm. me, uh, who have found in these, uh, in these ancient texts, there's notes at the top. Uh, some of those notes are pretty clear what they mean, like a Psalm of David, meaning David wrote it. It's attributed to him. And so uh, that makes sense. Others, uh, this is just this kind of funny example that I happened to open to. Um, Psalm 88 is a song, a psalm of the Korahites to the leader. Uh, according to the Macaleth Lehenathon, uh, a mask kill, uh, Herman the uh, Ezerhite. Uh, well, so that okay. was some pleasant sound. Can you uh, say that again? <laughs> yeah, no, I can't really. Um, but I, but I share that example because it is an example of so much of what's written in those titles of the Psalms. Some of it makes good and clear sense what it means. Others, we don't exactly know who all of these people or contexts were. Like clearly they're giving some direction about how the Psalms were used in worship, how they were set to music. But what exactly all of those directions mean, some of that's been lost in history. Yeah, um, like if you notice too, further down Psalm 88, there's this word called, it's it's spelled S-E-L-A-H. Um, I, I pronounced it Selah, other, other people it's Salah or whatever. Um, that is another interesting thing because it comes up in the Psalms often. Like if you go to the Psalm before that, 87, it's there as well. So I've learned that Selah is is like a a call to... It's an encouragement to pause and to ponder of what you just read or what was read. And perhaps it's a, for, for the congregation as well. You know, Often if you're reading this at church, you probably skip over that word. But I think it might just be just as important, if not more, in that. Um, it's also thought, too, that Selah could be a musical direction as well. Like if you're looking at a, printed, a piece of printed music, like when it says mezzo forte, or coda, or slow down here. It could have been that as well, but we don't really know what it is. So I think for me, I take it as a moment, an encouragement um, to slow down, to think about what was really said, and to move on, like kind of like a pause. Sure. So it could have been a harmonica solo no- it, notation. It most likely was. Yes. That possible. ancient it's instrument. Yeah. Ancient. <laughs> The ancient tin sandwich, as we call it. Um, um, Well, uh, these psalms, I'm excited to, some of the psalms that we're going to share with you all tonight, I'm excited to go into these because there's so many good psalms that are so helpful to all kinds of different life situations. And so the structure for our conversation here today that we are taking 
is to divide the Psalms into different types of Psalms. This is something that biblical scholars have done uh, for centuries, is to realize that there are a lot of similarities between these certain types of Psalms. And so different scholars have divided it up into a whole number of different categories. You could have uh, 15 or 20 different categories. For our case here, uh, today we're going to look at five main categories and that even includes the first category which is a combination of two pretty clearly uh, and so that first category is royal and liturgical psalms next then would be trust psalms then psalms or songs of thanksgiving laments or prayers for help which could be individual or communal and then finally, uh, we'll save the most fun for last, hymns of praise uh, are great for, uh, for ending on um, and so like I said, these are five different categories, with the first one being a combination, which uh, is what we'll talk about first, royal and liturgical psalms. Uh, there's a number of these in the Bible, and the liturgical, that word, we often think of worship and the different parts of worship, and that's exactly what it means for liturgical psalms. These are psalms that would have clearly been used in worship or even given directions and instructions for worship and how to worship and stuff. And so uh, then you get that even like subcategory within it of royal psalms that are really uh, really directed towards royal occasions so like the coronation of a king or a royal wedding or uh, even a king riding into battle something like that that's specifically royal and so a lot of these psalms are not necessarily among people's favorites because unless you're royalty they don't relate to daily life as much as some of the other psalms uh, but then sometimes they do get tied to jesus as as king and so th they come into our lives some in that way but for the most part they talk about kingly kind of things royal things so certainly fitting for david um, as he wrote many of them or many were written about him uh, but one of the examples we're going to look at here tonight is psalm Two, uh, the second psalm in the Bible. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds asunder and cast their cords from us. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, with trembling kiss his feet or he will be angry and you will perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled happy are all who take refuge in him yeah and so this would be considered both a liturgical psalm and a royal psalm and you can almost imagine it being read at a coronation, uh, both as a celebration mm. of the coronated king, but also a reminder that, hey, king, God has some pretty high expectations of how you will do this job, and God cares deeply about the way you do that job, and you better do it well. Like, we want you to be a wise king, uh, or else, I mean, God will get angry, <laughs> and, and you will not be king anymore. And we see that story happen in Scripture through the different uh, ancient kings. Uh, but it's very much, you know, for me in my life, I think, well, you know, king, wise kings, I don't know. It's not quite the same as like Psalm 23, which we'll get to in this next mm -hmm. category. Um, but it is one of those groups of psalms that uh, there are definitely some beautiful and poetic ones. But then when it comes to the royal psalms, especially, they're really set for royal occasions and not really as much of our everyday kind of living kind of psalms for the most part. So, but this next category that Taylor's going to talk to, these I think are some good relators. 
Yeah. Um, so the next kind of psalm that we're going to talk about is the psalm of trust. So as I'm talking about it, how about you find Psalm 23? I'm sure you guys don't know that one. Um, so look for Psalm 23 while I talk about it a little bit. So um, trust psalms express great faith and confidence in God even in really tough times. Uh, life might be really tough, but these psalms uh, communicate that confidence that God is with us. One of the most beloved psalms in the Bible uh, fits into this category, Psalm 23, which we're looking at um, today. And while we usually read from the NRSV version, um, we're going to read this one from the King's J King James Version, uh, just because it's probably the more familiar one. Um, I think if you're older or even if you're uh, a young person, you may have memorized this um, at church. Um, but we also are familiar with this verbiage from movies and TV. So uh, here is Psalm 23. Take it away, Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. Uh, so this next part, as we're thinking about Psalm 23, here's what I'd like to do. Um, I would like to hear from you. We would like to hear from you. Will you um, engage with us in the comment section, either on Zoom or on Facebook, or if you're watching this not live, take some time to ponder this question. Um, do you have any specific thoughts that you have about this psalm, or do you have memories? We would love to hear your memories associated with this psalm. So as you put your comments in the comment line or ponder this, I'm going to play through The King of Love, My Shepherd Is. So let us give some time for that.
thank you for sharing your thoughts and your stories with us in that way. And thanks, Taylor, for playing that song. I wonder, what are some of your thoughts and memories mm. about this song? I'd uh, be curious. Funerals? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what I think, yeah. I had to memorize two things for confirmation and stand in front of Dr. Michael Roganus and yes. recite the Apostles' Creed and the 23rd Psalm. So I know it. In what version? <laughs> um, well, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. We just memorized it. And I and there's some uh, similar things to this. It's kind of a blend. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. But when I read the NRSV, it doesn't match. So it must have been this one. Sure. But we use the... RSV back then, that old. Oh, yeah. Huh. What about yours? Well, so, I mean, I think about funerals a lot with it, but I I always, whenever I'm talking about the 23rd Psalm or reading it, especially though when I'm talking to other people about it, I really encourage them to think about it not just in the context of funerals because this is not a psalm about death. It's a Mm -hmm. psalm about life. Uh, and so I'll even try to convince uh, wedding couples to choose it for their wedding. So far, no one ever has. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, if you think about this psalm in the context of a marriage or, or life and relationships with people, it really fits well for that. Uh, ultimately, it is a psalm about it's this promise and celebration of God being with us. It is a trust psalm because it's trusting that God is with us, providing for us, leading us beside still waters, preparing a table before us even in the presence of our enemies. So it's God is reconciling relationships. Uh, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So yeah, the word death is there, but there's all kinds of valleys of shadows of death that we go through that are, are not death, death, but yeah. you know other hardships and stuff. And so I, I just really love that. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So uh, if you're getting married and want to choose a scripture reading, Psalm 23, do it. I know you won't. <laughs> I know you won't. But <laughs> but it really is a psalm of life. And so, oh, so you yeah. know, if, if reread it. If you uh, have always thought of it as just funerals, reread it and think about it in light of your life right now. I talk more about, so I do Thursdays with Taylor on Thursdays, and I sang a version of the 23rd Psalm. And I I quoted something from an article, and it talks about what this psalm has meant to many kinds of people. Mm, So I I would read it, but you know that's for another time. But uh, it's it it's definitely more than just funerals, prisoners and soldiers, and yeah, cool, yeah. Well, the next category of psalms we're going to look at is the songs of thanksgiving, and those are psalms um, praising God and saying thank you. Um, either from a person or a community, uh, maybe a person who has gone through an illness and is now recovered, or a community that has gone through a war or a pandemic, and they are thanking God. Um, there are many, many of these psalms that have been made into abundance of songs, and we are going to read, um, Taylor and I are going to read Psalm 40 for you right now. Yep. This is Psalm 40, verses 1 through 6 and 13 through 17. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined me, he inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our Lord. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. 
Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted. Sacrifice and offering you do not you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let all those be put to shame and confusion who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who desire my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy. The Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Well, I just love that these Psalms of Thanksgiving, you know, they are written about hardships that the person writing the psalm has made it through. And so they've been able to see God's goodness. And uh, that's a really different perspective than if you're right in the midst of something and uh, and going really just still going through it. it. It's hard to write with the same kind of perspective as if you've made it through. And so uh, there is a big difference between these and the next category of laments or these prayers for help, which are written by people who are still going through the experience or communities who are still experiencing the hardship. And so uh, these Psalms are, I think, really are really deep and faith-filled uh, because they're able to look with hindsight and see the ways that God showed up in the midst of their suffering and delivered them from that suffering. And so, you know, as we think about that, you know, when you think about your know, really difficult things that you've been through and that you've been through, um, how do you think about them differently when you're going through it, when you're right in the midst of it, versus once you've come through that difficult time and, and emerge on the other side? I think of my grandparents, and I always thought that they just were so strong and sure of themselves. And what I realized as I've been growing older is that they have gone through a lot of stuff and they have all that experience that backs them up. And they have that grace to know that all those troubles that they had and they lived through them and they could move on and they knew that whatever was coming, that God would take care of them. They were very faithful people. But I think that's where that serenity comes from in Mm -hmm. their life, that wisdom to know that they've come through it. Mm -hmm. Sure. One example I've been thinking about a lot the last few days, ever since I heard this example, um, is... I heard about someone who had a new baby, which is relatable because we have a new baby, two months old, and uh, and this person got the advice from someone who told them, think about this baby as camping, like you're going camping. And at first I was like, hold on, this doesn't make any sense. But then they got more deep into it, and of course, I mean, I've been camping, I like camping, and the thing with camping is when you go, there's all kinds of preparations and there are some parts of it that are stressful. And then there's whole big parts of camping that are really inconvenient and uncomfortable, right? Like sleeping on the ground if you're in a tent is, is uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, it's kind of harder to cook food and all those things are just just a little more difficult. 
but it's in the midst of camping where you get those clear nights where you can see a billion stars in the sky. It's where you, you re just, when you're done camping, you remember the sunset on the lake or that time around the campfire with family or friends. And, you know, your sore back goes away after a couple days and, you know, you, you clean up the sleeping bags and all the stuff when you get back and you're just left with those really awesome and positive memories. And so you return to camping and you keep going camping because those little, those little inconveniences and annoyances aren't the whole story. And wow, I mean, that's, I'm in the midst of it with a baby. And there are big parts of it that are hard. Like, you know, there's, you know, sleepless nights and there's all kinds of fears and anxieties. It's like, oh my gosh, is this baby gonna, you know, die in its sleep, you know, even? I mean, it's like, it's kind of scary stuff. Uh, and it's hard, you know, we can't go anywhere or do anything, which we can't anyway, right now anyway. Um, but, you know, at the same time, this is my and Annie's third child, our, our last baby, <laughs> barring some big miracle um, that we don't want to happen. Um, this is our, our, our last. And so we just have a really different perspective on it, too. I mean, kind of like you were talking with your grandparents' perspective, we are just being intentional about slowing down and enjoying every moment of it as much as we can. And yes, there's still moments of exhaustion and frustration, uh, but we're really, really being intentional. And frankly, this time around, we're better at enjoying those mm -hmm. beautiful sunsets, you know, the little smiles and those little nuances of, of this child growing in a way that we weren't the first time around. It's not that this baby is so much more lovable and great than our first. Uh, it's just we're different and we're better for it. And and it's just been such a different experience. So mm -hmm. you know, I think about that with respect to these these psalms, this psalm of thanksgiving, where you know, with that wisdom of having been through something, you just look at the next hardship a little different. When you've been through something before, you one, know that you can be through something hard again. You can make it through. Um, and the more times you experience that, I think the easier it is to have faith that, okay, God will see me through this. Yeah, like the people who I need will come up around me. And yeah, I think that's a big difference in perspective. Mm -hmm. This Psalm, Psalm 40, uh, I apparently introduced Taylor to this song. Uh, he wasn't so. listening to enough. And me. Yeah, weren't listening to enough U2 in the early mid-90s. Um, uh, but so this song that Taylor's going to do next is just called 40, uh, but it is the words of Psalm 40. Uh, you, you, we read those words, and you'll hear them in this song. And uh, there was a time when U2, for, for years, ended their big stadium tours with this song. Now, I'm not a huge U2 fan, but I have friends who are just like crazy about them. And they always talk about these U2 concerts as as essentially a worship service, basically, in a lot of ways. And I think that was probably never more true than when they were closing with this song and have a whole stadium of people singing this psalm, singing these words, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined and heard my cry. And uh, so we're going to let you hear a little bit of this psalm as well. This is 40 by you 2 
Patiently, uh, I think in reality, none of us are terribly good at being patient. So that line, I waited patiently for the Lord, <laughs> is often probably most true in hindsight, where oh, yeah. in, it, it, when you're going through it, it, it doesn't feel uh, like you're being patient. And you are asking how long, how long, how long. That's a very, that's a very biblical phrase that we're going to hear in the next psalm that we're going to read as well. Um, and yet these psalms of thanksgiving bring the wisdom and the faith that comes from having been been through something before. And we carry that experience with us. And so, you know, I think these psalms of thanksgiving are so faithful in, in beautiful ways and in what we, I would probably consider traditional ways faithful, mm -hmm. like we trust God. Uh, this next category of psalms are just as faithful, but in a different way. These are the psalms of lament, uh, these uh, prayers for help. And they are for both for individuals and for communities. Uh, you know, they are actually the largest group of psalms. So uh, this kind of asks the question, okay, well, it's great once you've been through something and seen that God has taken you through it. That's great. What about when you're going through it and you don't have much good to say? Then what do you do? And that's what these psalms uh, are all about. And I think that should say something about who we are as people. Uh, the fact that that's, this is the largest group of psalms are these psalms of lament. Because when we're going through stuff, man, we got stuff to say, but it might not always make sense. <laughs> like, the, you know, the just these are the most raw and honest verses in the whole Bible, I think, because they're really spoken by people who are experiencing deep pain or communities who are together facing something really difficult. And so I think the format and the structure that goes into these Psalms of Lament is something that uh, we as individuals and we as a community can really benefit from to be able to lament well uh, because lamenting is not just dwelling in the suffering or just like just being miserable uh, th there's these pieces that are always a part of lament that uh, take it out of just feeling sorry for yourself and, and take it to some uh, the next step and so uh, here's the main pieces of a lament that i think are helpful to point out 
Uh, one, the laments are addressed to God. So these are ultimately prayers to God. This isn't just, you know, me yelling into the ether or at the world about how terrible my life is. This is saying, God, here's what I'm going through. They're always addressed to God. And they always share a, a complaint in at least one of these forms. Some of the laments share complaints in every form, uh, <laughs> but sometimes they're first person like I. I have served you all these years, God. How could you let this happen to me? Uh, I am suffering in this way. Uh, sometimes it's, it's you. It's pointing the finger at God and saying, God, uh, you have allowed me to fall into despair. How dare you, God? Um, and then finally, sometimes it's they. It is these outside forces. Like my enemies are, are rejoice over me. They have brought me to ruin uh, this you know, outside invading force has destroyed us. Um, and so uh, they come in different kind of shapes and forms, the complaints, but there are always complaints, at least one. Uh, the next little uh, category is that these Psalms are really cries for help. And so there is a petition asking God for help. We already said they're addressed to God and there's a petition or a prayer and ask for help. Next then, uh, there's often an expression of confidence and trust that God will follow through. Uh, there is faith in these Psalms, you know, in that traditional sense that there is, even if it's just a minuscule little bit of belief that God, you, you'll probably help me, right? I mean, you've helped me before, you'll probably help me again, then sometimes that's as much as it is. These aren't really usually grand confessions of faith about how great God is. Usually it's God, you are God, and what you do is help people, so help me. <laughs> you know, it might be as simple as that. Uh, and then finally, uh, there is often a promise to praise God in the future. And I just think this is so fascinating that these Psalms of Lament, they aren't saying, God, everything is great. I worship you here and now. I am so glad to be on this earth. They're saying, God, this is terrible, so terrible that right now I can't even praise you, but I will someday because, you know, I, I really do believe on some level you'll carry me through that. Isn't that profound? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think it is just striking that this is this is the Bible, the the Bible, you know, this inspired word of God teaching us as people of faith how to deal with things. And a part of the lament is this promise to worship when we actually feel like God is worth worshiping, that God inspired these words to be written that say, you don't have to worship me right now. Let me carry you through this and we'll be we'll be worshiping in the future. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And uh, so we see this a little bit in this example of a lament psalm that we're going to hear. Like I said, there's more lament psalms than anything else. Uh, but this is Psalm 13, and uh, it's a real beauty for this one. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give me light to my eyes, or sleep to the sleep of death, and my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. 
This is very real stuff. Uh, in this psalm, you see all these components, all the different components I talked about uh, uh, for a lament. You know, it is addressed to God. There's a call for help, and there's that promise to praise in the future. It's all there. Um, and none of the laments or the psalms, they don't sugarcoat the very real pain that people or communities are going through. They just lay it out there and uh, cry out in these ways. How long, O oh Lord, uh, will you forget me forever? This is in the Bible. I just want to keep coming back to that. that this, um, I think we've all had experiences of moments like that where we're going through really hard things where we say like, God, where even are you? And a lot of times I think we paint those as like the most unfaithful moments. Oh, that's biblical living right here, right. you know. To, to cry out like that it is an act of faith. To even say, God, where are you? Is to trust that, well, God is somewhere. Otherwise, who am I calling out to right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, this, these structures of laments that move from just, just feeling sorry for ourselves, but actually to calling out to God for help, I think that structure, you know, really can be life-giving and lead us out of that miry pit uh, that Mm -hmm. uh, Bono was singing about with you too, um, can uh, lead us out of the miry pit and to that moment of praise, even if it is further down. And so, you know, when we think about laments, um, you know, why might, do you think it might be important for us during this COVID time and other difficult times, why are those different elements of a lament important? What makes lament work for dealing with just stress and fear and all the anxieties that come with hardship? I think during this time, it's so easy for us to complain, complain, complain. Yeah. And that's, that's fine. You know, I mean, that's what these Psalms are telling us that we can do. It almost gives us permission to do so. But I think it also sets an example for us to, yes, complaining, use it as a benefit, but come out of it hoping, hoping and rejoicing. Yeah. You know, I've, I think there's a difference in commiserating and complaining versus venting. Yeah. Like we let us allow ourselves to lament and complain and vent, but also at the, the period to that is, is this expression of, of hope at the end of it. You know, and I think I think that's that's why it's important to recognize the structure of these laments, to not live within the negative, but also to know that in the future, you will want to have, you will have rejoicing. You know, you yeah. will have hope. I think about like social media. I mean, I think we all see if we haven't blocked them already. Uh, people <laughs> who who only post just the most nasty and negative yeah. things on social media all the time, and and I, I just you know. I obviously don't know what's going on in any individual's life or in their heart or, or whatever, but I, I feel a sense of, you know, one, frustration and annoyance because I'm like, oh, this is just so nasty all the time, but also even a sense of, like, sympathy. Like, I feel so sorry for you that you're caught up in this. You're stuck in the miry pit. You know, yeah. you know let's let's pull you out of there, you know, um, uh, because I think we can all fall victim to that, just getting caught up in the the whirlpool of nastiness and negativity going on in the world. And, um, and, and ultimately that's not life giving. That's, you know, like you're saying Taylor, these lament Psalms aren't just, you know, laying it out there and sharing all the suffering. That's just a part of it. It is a part of it. And it's important for us to name all the hardships yes. and yep. difficult things. 
but that's not the end. You know, there, there's more to it. The calling out for to God for help, and you know, looking towards the future. You know, um, I think yeah. we need to name the pain, yeah, um, and we can honor it, mm-hmm. so we can move past it. Because yeah. if we don't, if we skim over that part. Mm-hmm. And we just say, oh, no, no, everything's fine. That old yep. Scandinavian style of everything's fine, everything's uh-huh. fine. Um, <laughs> what happens is it's still there and you don't yeah. deal with it. Yeah. So, so dwelling in that, honoring it, then you can move out to experience joy and hope and things that are going to come. Yeah. But it does need to be said, and I'm going to say it right to these people, it is important to give yourself permission to lament. Yeah. You know, we were talking earlier about that, how Mm -hmm. like, for me, I needed the permission in these Psalms to actually be, to be nasty in front of God, Mm -hmm. to be just dirty and to be um, raw in front of this God that I believed in. I feel like I think I, it may have been my upbringing, it may have been just how I processed life. I felt in my earlier years that I couldn't be upset that I couldn't complain or lament. I had to shove it down, deny it, and always be raising my hands or rejoicing. This gives us permission to do so, but it also gives us permission to not wallow in it. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. And that's so important. Like there's two people in this world, those who will complain, 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 and never rejoice, or people who rejoice, 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 and never give themselves permission to lament or complain. Right. Yeah. And, and we need a balance. And why have we told people that it to be to be a faithful people, you have to be have perfect faith, and right. not struggle, but always to be able to look to God and to be thankful for it. No, that's not how it is, and it says so right here. Yeah, you know, if you're in the midst of suffering and aren't questioning and asking some of these things like God, where are you? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't need, like. That's okay, I guess, but you know, I'm happy for you, but that's not the experience I, I have had or that I have talked to, with people about so many times. So often more it sounds like this, like, God, are you going to forgive me forever? Mm-hmm. How long are you going to hide your face from me? Ugh. You know, that's, yeah. that's hard. Um, but you know, like those Psalms of Thanksgiving, I think the more we experience that coming through on the other side, the better we are able to communicate lament not as hopelessness but as hardship that still has a future like where we still have a future Mm -hmm. well this brings us into the last kind of psalm and it's the hymn of praise it is the psalm of praise (laughs) so it's quite fitting that uh that we chose to end this sacred wit with uh hymns of praise um they were often celebratory and very positive. Uh, they gave witness to God's love and grace and called calls us and all creation to give thanks and praise to God. And so our last uh, type of psalm, we will read it both, uh, Nathan, all of us, Lisa, Nathan, and I will read Psalm 8. So if you want to find that in your Bible, we'll read it together. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Sovereign. How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established. What are human beings that you are mindful of them? Mortals that you care for them. 
Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet. All sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It is good to be in a hymn of praise kind of mood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when uh, <laughs> life is good and things are good, it is good to dwell in the Psalms of praise. And uh, these make up a lot of our liturgical music and uh, show up a lot in worship as well. And that is very good because mm-hmm. it's good to celebrate life when it's going well. Amen. <laughs> well, and uh, so we're so grateful that you've come on this little journey through the Psalms with us. and. You know, I would really encourage you to explore the Psalms. Uh, You know, so much of the Bible, there are parts that are confusing and where, you know, it's hard if you don't know all the history, you get lost sometimes. The Psalms are human emotion. Mm -hmm. And so if you are a human and have emotion, you'll do pretty well in the Psalms, I think. Wouldn't you say? I mean, like, um, they really are. Do I have emotion? I think so. I think so. Um, That is to say, you can get something from these psalms and you can be moved by Mm -hmm. them. And you can find uh, faith, uh, maybe even a faith that is different than the faith that you thought you were supposed to have. um, Mm -hmm. uh, But that is nonetheless biblical and faithful uh, to be able to celebrate the hymns of praise, the joyful moments, but also lament the hardships and give thanks to God for when you've moved through those hardships. And maybe even read a psalm for the coronation of the king or the king's (laughs) wedding. You know, might as well. Those are in there too. Uh, So we we thank you for joining us on this uh, Sacred Wit and the Powered by Love podcast. And uh, we encourage you to join us again uh, this coming Sunday as we'll be continuing to learn a little more about David, almost perfect, but not quite as we'll be uh you know reflecting a little bit uh differently about music and the role music plays in our life so uh we hope to see you again on sunday Uh, and until then we wish you well and we leave you with the words of one more psalm of praise psalm 100 make a joyful noise to the lord all the earth worship the lord with gladness come into his presence with singing know that the lord is god It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.